This is Blankenship on Trial, West Virginia Public Broadcasting's podcast about former Massey CEO Don Blankenship and the Upper Big Branch Mine Disaster. I'm Scott Finn, Executive Director at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. We'll look at the evidence, the arguments, and why it matters. This is Blankenship on Trial. I'm Dave Mistich, filling in this week for Scott Finn. After a week of testimony, the president of the company that ran the Upper Big Branch Mine is still on the stand, testifying in the trial of former Massey Energy CEO Don Blankenship. West Virginia Public Broadcasting's Ash Damara has been reporting on the trial since its start. She joins me now to discuss the events of this week. Ashton, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Also joining us, Mike Hissom. He's an attorney at the Charleston law firm Bailey & Glasser and a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia. Mike, thanks for joining us again this week. Thanks, Dave. Ashton, jurors have been hearing from former Performance Coal President Chris Blanchard since last Thursday. Performance Coal was the mining company that operated UBB. Today, Blanchard's testimony took a turn. Tell us what happened. So, Dave, essentially, after four days of cross-examination by the defense, the prosecution began redirecting Blanchard this morning. Early on in cross, Blanchard contradicted a lot of his previous testimony. Initially, he testified, for instance, that he had told Blankenship mining in one certain area of the coal mine was illegal, and Blankenship responded, well, you're allowing MSHA to run your mines. Then on cross, almost immediately after saying that, he said he did not break any laws at UBB and that he had no unwritten understanding, no conspiracy with Don Blankenship to violate those safety laws. Assistant U.S. Attorney Steve Ruby came back today pulling out Blanchard's grand jury testimony and without really saying it, he kind of implied that Blanchard had been lying on his cross-examination. It's important to remember here, Dave, that Blanchard has immunity in this case. He agreed to testify for the prosecution because they agreed not to charge him or use his testimony against him. The only caveat there is that he can't lie on the stand. Mike, I know you all discussed this last week, but we do have a caveat that uh, Bailey and Glasser is representing Blanchard, uh, but you have been screened from the case, correct? That's right, Dave. When I joined the firm, I was screened off from that matter. Still, Mike, during a long cross-examination, defense attorneys have basically hijacked Blanchard. Many people saying he's hurt the prosecution's case more than he's helped it. What exactly is their strategy there? Well, it's not a new strategy, Dave. Uh, The defense team throughout the trial has been trying to take over the government witnesses and introduce their documents, their theory of the case. I don't think that we've seen it done to this extent. And honestly, I don't think that anybody is familiar with a recent case where it's been done to this extent. We have Chris Blanchard testifying, who testified for about a day of court time on direct examination when the government was asking him questions. He's now been testifying for almost a week on cross-examination, and only today did the government begin uh, asking questions on redirect. The defense has put on hundreds of documents through him. They've really tried their theme of the case. And what makes this so unusual is that Chris Blanchard is clearly such a reluctant witness for the government. He is giving the defense team the answers that they want on most of the questions. And Ashton, you know, would you say that the defense's strategy has been effective in in sort of hijacking Blanchard here? You know, Dave, I'm not an attorney. (laughs) This is not a legal opinion. But as somebody who could be sitting there as a juror, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, this was not effective. I mean, like Mike said, we went through hundreds of documents. The last count was like 170 or something like that. These are emails, memos, charts. It was really tedious testimony. There were jurors that were asleep. 
There were people who were in the audience watching the case that were asleep during these multiple days of testimony. They were trying to prove with Blanchard that safety was a priority at Massey, but I just think it got lost in all of the minute details. People were just too bored. Interesting. So, Mike, redirect has started. How does the prosecution get this witness and essentially their case back on track? Well, they started right out of the gate, Dave, by jamming the witness up with his grand jury testimony and some pretty hard uh, biting questions to really get at Chris Blanchard and get his attention and the jury's attention. And it was a totally different style and pace from the government when they started redirect. It, it was fast paced, staccato questions, very direct, a lot of leading questions. And that was an aggressive style that we haven't seen from the government so far. I would say after that, after that opening, things sort of bogged down again with a slow and steady march through the documents, through the government's own documents and through the defense exhibits. And it's pretty clear. And, and one important point is that the judge is not allowing re-cross examination. So the, the last aspect of testimony that the jury is going to hear from Blanchard is going to be Steve Ruby's redirect. And they're going to go through all of these documents again so that the jury will hear them. Yeah, I mean, the change this afternoon, it was a welcome change of pace, I think, for everybody in the courtroom. But Steve Ruby likes these specifics. He went through maybe a dozen citations this afternoon, and he asked the same questions about every citation. And again, you see jurors getting bored with what's going on. I understand that this isn't television. This isn't a movie. But to me, to be frank, after five boring days of testimony, Steve should have brought them drama. He should have done something to get their attention again. And I just think that this attention to minute details is really hurting the government's case. And Mike, you've worked closely with uh, Steve Ruby whenever you were in the U.S. Attorney's Office. Do you have any response to that? Yeah, Steve Ruby is a very bright guy. He uh, graduated at the top of his class from Duke. He graduated first in his class from Washington Lee Law School. But he's a young prosecutor. And these young prosecutors on this team don't have as much courtroom trial experience as the defense team. They're not used to the big, high-stakes trials. Steve Ruby's entire time in this office has essentially been focused on this case. And there haven't been any prior trials in this case that he was involved with. There was one prior trial of Huey Stover, but Steve wasn't in the courtroom for that. So there's an experience gap there. Um, I would say that as the case has gone on that he's started to get his sea legs. So, Mike, where does the prosecution go from here? They said they were going to wrap up their case this week. Are they going to be able to do that? Yeah, they originally said that they were going to wrap early this week. That's clearly not going to happen. And to be quite honest, it looks to me like this case could consume, the government's case could consume almost all of next week. And so finally, Ashton, any interaction with the family members this week, uh, victims' yeah, family? The family members, um, about a dozen or a half a dozen or so of them have been in the courtroom every day, basically since the start of the trial itself. Um And, you know, they're just as frustrated and just as bored, I think, as everybody else has been in the courtroom this week with that long cross-examination. And Mrs. Quarles, who lost her son, Gary Wayne, she told me yesterday that she thought if the case had gone to the jury then, there was plenty of reasonable doubt during the cross-examination and that the government would have lost. But speaking to them again today, they still are holding out hope that Steve can pull this off and that the case will, will go in the government's favor. Ashton Mara, Mike Kissam, thanks for being with us again this week, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. This is Blankenship on Trial. I'm Dave Mistich. Scott Finn will be back next week. 
Blankenship on Trial is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Our theme music is by Matt Jackford. See illustrations from the trial, daily updates, and more on our website, wvpublic.org. And make sure you follow us on Twitter for the latest, at Ashton Mara and at WV Public News. Thanks for listening. <laughs>